Well, we've, um, we've been sharing, talking in the Word <clears throat> since Word First, preparing you for our vision night. Vision night is, uh, our first vision night of the year is, is um, the 17th of February, and, uh, and that night we're going to we're going, last year we had 45-minute vision nights, just randomly. This year we're going to do it a little bit different, so it won't be 45 minutes. Um, it won't be five hours, but it won't be 45 minutes. And uh, just revealing and, and releasing more of the vision of the house with more of an understanding about implementation of the vision. And... Uh, Every word that I'm preaching, that I've preached from word first till now and till the 17th are, are bits and pieces of things that we're going to talk about and, and, and we're going to really rally our whole church around uh, because the vision is for an appointed time and it's for now. It's for now. The vision of this body of believers is for now. And... Uh, there's some things that we have to understand about the purpose and plan. And tonight, the title of my message is The House. And uh, we, talk about a, we, we talk a lot about the house of God. But what I'm going to share with you tonight, just a couple of thoughts about the house and about the value of the house, um, is something that is very important in what we are called to do, and we've talked about this in the last few weeks, we are called to do in making disciples. The last thing that Jesus told His disciples was to go make more disciples. And he, His commission was that, in His commission, He told them that He would be with them always. And that He would empower them to duplicate themselves in other people but he wanted the duplication to be of him. He wanted his disciples to make other disciples of Jesus. Jesus made a statement early on in Matthew. He made this statement. He says in, in Matthew 16 and verse 18, he said to Peter, he said, On this rock, Peter, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. There's something about the church, and we're going to look at several familiar scriptures that we look at periodically or at different times. And let's turn to the first one in 1 Timothy. I went to the Old Testament. That was the wrong direction. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And it says... But if I'm delayed, I write so that I may know, so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. He didn't tell Peter that he was going to build the church. He told Peter, look, Peter, on the rock of revelation of who I am, who Father is, who Holy Ghost is, I will build my church, 
that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. In Matthew 28, he told his disciples, I'm releasing you to go make other disciples and immerse, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We've talked about this. I've, I've, you know, I've made some people mad because you know, Jesus' great commission was not to go baptize people in water. You've got to get that. His commission was not to go baptize people in water. And you've got to get it. Because what we've got to get is we've got to understand what he was saying. Whole denominations of churches through the years have fought over how they grab somebody by the head of the hair and dunk them underwater. Well, you didn't do it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, we only do it in the name of Jesus. I mean, there's probably other people that do it, you know, Son, Holy Ghost, and Father. I don't know. That is not what Jesus was talking about. The word baptize is to immerse. And there was nothing mentioned about water. You want to know about water baptism, you go to Romans chapter 6. talks all about it. But his commission was, listen, his commission was this. I'm building my church, but I need you to help me out. And I need you to go and get people that have stinking thinking, change their thinking so that they understand who I am, who the Father is, who the Holy Ghost is, and what our parts are in your life. And, and the more they understand that, then I can build my church with people that think right. People that think stupid, God can't build stupid. He's not stupid. He don't know nothing stupid about Him. And when we stay stupid... And we stay ignorant and we, we stay blinded. God can't build his church. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. You know why? Because if the devil's defeated where Jesus is concerned and we disciple our, and, and, and we're discipled and we disciple other people to be like him, and then we go around as little Jesuses everywhere, doing just exactly what he did and what he said, then the gates of hell can't prevail against the anointing of God in mankind. And that's what the whole, that's what the whole process was about. The whole thing is summarized in what I just told you right there. Everything about this book, all of it, everything written in this book was about the culmination of what Jesus accomplished at Calvary. And not just at the cross, but as a result of the end of the cross and to the grave and rose on the third day and ascended at the right hand of the Father. But in, in, in that, right before he ascended, he told us, now wait a minute, this thing ain't over. And don't forget your part. And now go tell everybody else that they got a part. And everybody do your part and stay together and stay unoffendable. Don't be offended. Don't, don't, don't have a bad attitude. Don't get weird and get, get goofy. Just stay connected to me and, and it'll all work out. It'll just all evolve. That's what we're called to do. Amen? But if there's no value, if, if we don't value the house, if there's not a value of the house, then you'll never disciple anybody.
Listen to me. If you don't value the house, which is the church, which is the pillar, the strength of truth, the word will never work for you. You know why? We, we have to put to stop all the offenses that rise in the church. We've got to put those things, we've got we, we to stop them. Because people will come into the house of God in the church and the word will begin to liberate them and set them free. And then, and then people get in pride thinking it's them. Where would you be without the church? In, what's today? In 24 days, let's see, 12, guys, 35, 35 years ago. In 24 days, 35 years ago, I got born again. Where in the world would I be? I've been smoking reefer all night. I had, I had smoked this weird weed in this big, heavy bong that was full of Everclear. That was high potent thing, and I, I mean, I was, I felt like I was going to die. And I've been drinking that stuff in punch all night. On the 23rd of February, 1977. And that night, I made a deal with God. You get me out of this, and I'll serve you. And, you know, something happened. I just sobered up throughout the night. And it got my attention. And I didn't serve him the next day, you know. But over the next few months, I mean, that night, I got born again. And then I went into a Bible study with some people, and they began to preach the word, and I got connected to the church here and there in different ways in different places. But man, I value the church. I value the word. I value the preached word because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, and so I value it, you know? Every time I hear the word preached, I, I, was, I was, had breakfast with a, with, a, with a couple of men this morning and, and uh, one of the guys was sitting there and he was criticizing somebody that had really influenced my life, who preached the word and influenced my life. And uh, they made a huge mistake and, in, in years ago in the body of Christ and people just, you know, hammered them and did things. And, and, uh, and, and I kind of turned my back on the person too for a while just you know because of what they did and one night they were on some station somewhere I just happened to pass by I hadn't seen them in years and I stopped and I started watching and I began to weep I mean, this guy was preaching an amazing word amazing this guy had done some wrong things you know, but it had been years. 
And, and you know, I, I, it just hit me. God came to forgive people that make mistakes. Hmm? He came to forgive people. And I was eating breakfast this morning, and this person was saying this, and I, I didn't hammer him. You know what I said? I said, well, I, I know, but you know, I've heard three messages from this guy, and they were powerful words. Well, there's some of the old, no, 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 this present-day word they're preaching. And they're really good. And I value the preached word. But there's something about the house, there's something about the house that has the truth around it all the time that is liberating and free. There's something about being connected and valuing the house that liberates you that we've got to stop these, this back door thing by making the front door look good. And you know who the front door is? You. We're the front door. Well, we've got to stop the back door, uh, the leakage. Man, you can stuff all kinds of stuff and somebody will kick the door in. But you just make the front door look better. You know how? You know how? When people value the house, they receive what's being preached. They receive the word and then the promises begin to work for them and then people want what they have. People don't want religion. People don't want to be forced to come to some building somewhere and come to church kind of deal. You know, people, not, not today. People don't like that. People want relationship. People want to come in and connect with each other, you know. And in our message, messages that we've preached on the 99 and 1, if you're not actively connecting with one, you'll become stale. You can sit in here and hear the word for weeks and months and years on end and get worse and worse and worse if you're not actively using the word that you hear. There's got to be an outlet. So, you know what you do? You just find yourself friendly and find somebody to be friendly to just love people and the more you do that the more you get your eyes off yourself and then the principles of discipleship will begin to kick in because everybody here tonight is created to disciple people's lives with the power of the word that works for them Jesus can no more build his church he said well Jesus can do whatever he wants yeah but he set it up that way he can no more build the church with undiscipled people than you and I can live victorious without the promises working in us. You can talk victory all you want. You can make confessions and then not go and do what's right, and it won't work. Now, the church, the house of God is the church, the pillar of truth in 1 Timothy 3, 4. Then look at um, look at Jeremiah, just real quickly. 
Jeremiah chapter 1. Because see, we're talking about the house. What did I tell you? Jeremiah what? No, no. Jeremiah uh, 23, 1. Watch this. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Everybody say, everybody say, my pasture. Look at the M. What about that M? It looks funny right there in the middle of that sentence that is capitalized. But it's my meaning Jesus, meaning God, meaning Holy Ghost, meaning the three in one. It's my pasture. The sheep of my pasture. It's his church. (laughs) I'll build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. But he's going to build his church with you. So, where's the ugly meter at? Where's the unforgiveness meter at? God can build it with you. Well, God forgives, yeah, but but if we keep if we keep ugly, and the ugly meter's high, then 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 the unforgiveness meter is high. God can't build the church. He'll wait, but he won't build it because he won't build it on unforgiveness. Everybody say my. He said. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Go to verse 2. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. Now, what, what, what evil would these guys do? And watch verse 3. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Verse 4. Notice, he said he would do that, but how's he going to do it? I will set up shepherds over them who will what? Feed them. Won't tolerate. If God, listen, if God can't build the church on people full of unforgiveness, then as an under shepherd, how can I allow the church to be built on unforgiveness? Come on. I mean, He's the shepherd, it's His church, it's His flock, it's His kids. We're his kids, you you understand? If he won't, then how can I? Well, the truth is I can't, but see, we're all shepherds. See, we're all shepherds. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. How will that happen? Because they changed their thinking. Why? Because people, right kind of shepherds, won't put up with the other stuff, and we're going to wait until we get it. 
We're not going to just set up some kingdom unto Burt Wimberley or some kingdom unto gates of the city. We're going to fill gates of the city up with his people, and we're going to do it his way. We're going to feed him the right way. And I'm just giving you a little bit of how we're going to do that, and you just need to show up on the 17th. Because we're going to rock some stuff in the days ahead. We're going to rock and roll. And it's time for everybody to be involved. No matter who you are, what you've ever done, no matter how many mistakes you've ever made, it's just time to get over it. Leave the past in the past. Hakuna Matata. Amen? It's time to live out here. time to live on top and not underneath. Right? So, look at Hebrews 10. And then I'm going to read Psalm 92. And we'll be done. What did I tell you? Hebrews 10. Right. And that was right. Hebrews 10 uh, and verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, there's a lot in that, by a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, that's what he did, and having a high priest over the house of God, having a high priest over what? House of God, which is what? The church, which is what? The pillar of truth. That if you don't value, you'll be talked out of it. And what will happen is you'll walk away from the house that's the pillar of truth, that's your liberty and freedom, because you think you're, you know better. You don't know better. The reason you're smart today is because of the house. Some of you came into the church with four-year degree, six-year degree, eight-year degree, and you got smart when you came into the house. See, because an education out there won't tap into spiritual things, because if so, then all the educated people on the planet would be spiritual giants. They look at your neighbor and say, he didn't say that education is bad. I didn't say that. <laughs> you, you tell anybody that, you're a liar. I didn't say that. I just said it will not enable you to tap into spiritual things. Education's great. Working your brain is good, right? But it's the house and the value of the house. You know, I would never, and I never did, and had many opportunities to move from one town to the next job and career and all the things that before I pastored. I had, I had some jobs that were, I mean, making, making probably four times what I was making. I had a job offer in Wyoming. Well, it was half the year in Wyoming and half the year in Yuma, Arizona. And 
the offer that I got was four times what I was making. And I really kind of liked what I would be doing up there and the country and everything else better than where I was. <laughs> Couldn't leave. God said, you don't leave. You don't leave the church. You don't leave what, you're here for a purpose and a reason. And, and when, I, when I didn't take that, when we didn't take that door that appeared to be open because it was more money, when we didn't take that, what was revealed to us that we were supposed to be here. I never would have got that in Wyoming, chasing a white ball. Never would have got it there. See, out of obedience to what God tells you to do, when you center your life around the house and you value the house, which is the pillar of truth, the house isn't some religious thing. Hey, we proved that for 10 years, nine years. We met in nine different locations in nine years. I mean, sometimes you had to wake up on Sunday morning and be praying in the Holy Ghost to find out where we was. People drive up to the Sunday house and we weren't there. And we, I mean, I, I, some of you probably did this, but I had different people tell me, man, I just started praying, where are they? <laughs> so they drive around town, where were they meeting, you know, anyway. We proved that. It's not about it's not about the building until the building is about the church. And this building is about the church, and God wants this building filled up because this is the house of God because we made it that way. We honor this place. We value this place. And, and, and because of that, this is the house of God, which is the church. And what did we just read? What did Jesus, the high priest, do? It says... What does it say? Oh. And having a high priest over the what? The house of God. The church. The pillar of truth. We have the high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How? Through the word of God. The pillar of truth, the church, the house, that we have a high priest that is over. Wow. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another, let us consider one another in order to, to stir up love and good works, not strife and division. Verse 25, how do you do that? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, so much more, so much more. Say it with me. So much more. So much more. Say it. So much more. So much more what? Making sure that you come together as you see the day approaching. Now, this passage of Scripture is where we're going to talk out of and the Jeremiah scripture is what we're going to talk out of on the 17th. And we're going to build, I'm building for you some structure that we've set up for the future of this church. And if you get a hold of it, I promise you, you'll prosper. You need to be here because 
you need what we're going to say, and I'm telling you what's going to happen is you will advance and prosper as a result of it because God said you would when you value the house. The house is so vitally important. And look at Psalm 92, and I'll end with this. Psalm 92 and verse 12. No, verse 13. For those who are planted in the what? The house, which is the church, which is the pillar of truth. Those who are planted in the church shall flourish in the courts of their God. They shall bear fruit in old age. Ooh. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Ooh. To declare that the Lord is upright, for He is our rock and there is no unrighteousness. But listen to this in the Amplified. In fact, this is the planted in the house of the Lord people. Verse 12. Can you, can you flip the Amplified up there? You got it? Ah, verse 12. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable, durable, and incorruptible. Planted in the house of the Lord, planted in the church, planted in the place where the truth is the strength and the pillar, they shall flourish in the courts of their God. Well, the courts are everything else. Flourish out there. Verse 14. Growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit as they grow older. So it doesn't matter what your age is today. If you're planted in the house, you're flourishing. Everybody say, I flourish. That's what he said. If you value the house. They shall be full of sap, of spiritual vitality, and rich in the verdure, the trust, uh, 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 in the verdure of trust, love, and contentment. They are living memorials. See, people that have the truth know the promises. They're living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. God's faithful. I saw a bumper sticker one time. You've heard me say this before, but just act like you haven't. I saw a bumper sticker one time that says, the Lord said it, I believed it, and that settles it. It's not so. The Lord said it, <laughs> and that's enough, whether you choose to believe it or not. But here's the deal. He created you and I He's not in some popularity contest. You know, it's not like Luke and Darth. Darth's defeated and Luke has been resurrected. So get that mental Star Wars picture out of your mind. It's not some battle between good and evil. Evil's defeated. And he's given you and I the opportunity to be living memorials and icons when someone looks at you because the promises are working in you. And they say, wow, look how faithful God is. Look how faithful God is.
because of what I see in you. Hmm? And I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, we've talked about it some, but we're really going to talk about it in the future. When you value the house, when you value the house, which is the church, which is the, the pillar of truth, and you value that, there's not anything you can't have. Not anything. Because God set it up that way. Amen? Father, tonight we thank you for the revelation of your word. Lord, I, I just thank you tonight that we're free to be able to preach the word. Man, we're a free people liberated in this nation, this great nation, to be able to preach the word. And even if we weren't, we'd still preach it. It don't matter. We'll obey the laws of the land until they tell us we can't preach your word, and we'll preach your word. We'll do it. We'll preach it in season and out of season, whether it's accepted or not accepted. We'll value the truth of your word, and we'll value your house. Because we just read that we have a high priest over the house. We're the house of God, but collectively, we make up the house. Listen to me. i got to say this. I had a guy one time, I was standing in line at Luby's. Man, I wish Luby's was still here. Anyway, um, I was standing in line at Luby's here one day. And it was on a Sunday, it was one of those big long lines, you know. And uh, this guy was in line and he, and he was arguing with me about the need for church life. And you know, I was walking the line and walking it, and he, he, he was not with me. He was just in line, but he was talking real loud and just on and on about, you know, we're the house of God. And I, I said a few things to him, but I didn't say a whole lot. But I, I really appreciated him doing that because it really got me to thinking, you know. So why should we preach the value of the house if we're the house? And there's, and, and there's great scriptures about valuing the house, but here's the, here's the kicker, okay? And leave with this tonight. Here's the kicker. I'm the house of God, but we're the house of God. I'm the church, but we're the church. And the reason it's that way is because we're not Jesus. Collectively, we make up his body. That's the difference. And people that say, well, I just, I don't go to church or I don't, you know, and I understand it, whatever. I mean, you know, most people have been offended and mad and, you know, church, and the church has done a lot of stupid things. But you know what? We're getting stupid out the door. We're going to get smarter all the time and we're going to do what's right and we're just going to love people. And it don't matter what they come in with, what they got, ideas, you know, Screwed up ideas. I mean, every one of you have been screwed up. Every one of us. So it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. What matters is what we do with what people think. And as shepherds, we're going to feed the sheep. He's going to bring them back to the fold. We're going to feed them. We're going to do our part. And I tell you what, it's just getting started. Last year was one of the most awesome years we've ever had. 
but it was one of the worst in other ways. It was the best and worst of years that I've ever had. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I mean, I loved every service walking in here and preaching behind this wall. I still do. Man, I just get goosebumps just thinking about being in here. I loved every service. It wasn't a bad service last year. Hadn't been a bad service this year. Not going to be a bad service for the next 30, 50, however many. Every service. It's just awesome. It's just, it's just great being in this place. But there was stuff that happened last year that just... <clears throat> Do you know what God said? Only way you can be moved by stuff is if you're focusing on it. But if you get your focus on for what really matters to God, and that's people, <laughs> all the other stuff just kind of goes. Because you, you don't pay attention to it. You don't spend all your time worrying and fretting and, oh my gosh, and letting fear grip your heart. And fear is a real thing. <sighs> fear is real. It destroys people's lives. We're here, the church, the house of God, the pillar of truth, to destroy that stuff. Amen? It's got to be destroyed and be, be being destroyed in you, okay, on a continual basis so that you can help other people. It happened that way too. And I'm going to give you a plan that we're going to collectively work out over the years to come that's just awesome, okay? So you take every word that I've been preaching and meditate on it and think about it and let it affect your life in a positive way because the best days are before us. Amen?